Hello and welcome to the Curator's Salon podcast. I'm Geeta Joshi and my guest today is London art critic Tabish Khan. Welcome, Tabish. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So let's start um, how you got into becoming known as the London art critic. How did that all come about? One thing that a lot of people may not know is my, my day job and still my day job is I work in the energy and utility sector um, with a very standard office job. And what used to happen was I used to commute as most office workers do on the underground and you would look up and you would see those adverts on the tube that said exhibition at Royal Academy, Tate, uh, National Gallery. And I used to think to myself, well, you know, that's something interesting that I should try and check out because much like a lot of people of Asian origin, I did not go to a lot of exhibitions and my parents weren't particularly into it. So I only saw them through school. So it had been many years since I'd been to an exhibition. So I started going and I really enjoyed it. And it was quite broadening as well because it's something I hadn't experienced and it was something new that I could try out. So I really enjoyed this and I got a bit of a bug and I started going to more and more. And after a while, a cousin said to me, she said, why don't you write your own blog? And this was when blogs were still relatively new. So I set up my own blog and started writing and was really enjoying it. And then I was looking for how to get more traction for my blog because, you know, I, you can't really get much traction if you start your own blog. So I did that and I set up my own Twitter account and then I looked for someone who would publish my writing. And at the time, Londonist was a very young website, which uh, most of the writers were unpaid. So I just pitched at them. I said, would you mind, would you like me to write for you? And their view was, sure, you know, we haven't got an arts writer at all. You know, it'd be great to have you on board. The irony being that Londonist, as the professional outfit it is today with all the writers paid, um, would never hire someone who had so little experience as I had back then. So I caught them at the right time. And I've been working with them for seven years. And then Fad, who I've been with about five years, I met Mark, who runs it at a random private view it wasn't random private view it was degree art on Viner Street and we decided that it'd be great if I started doing a top five and that's still going even to this day so that's how I got into it and and I'm still I'm still enjoying it I haven't lost a bug seven years later which is a sign for me that it's something that I should keep pursuing and I know you've built a massive network as well yes I think so and I think it's uh, well thank you and it helps in the sense that you can grow these networks, especially with Twitter, now with Instagram. Um, I had that very sad moment because I started on Twitter first, but my Instagram followers just surpassed my Twitter followers last week. So that's big news for me. Um, and it's growing very fast. And also, you know, once you realize, once you've got those networks that are outside of where you write, it's also another feather to your cap that you can take with you anywhere. So it's always good to have those sort of diverse networks and I think that's great for artists as well so for example if you're an artist and you may not have a gallery representing you at this time but you still have like 20,000 Instagram followers then you've got marketing and sales working for you even if there's even if you're not present in the in the art market. No, I totally agree. I think social media is so important for artists to build their own audience you know and not totally rely on galleries to do all of that for them. I agree. I think, um, and you're seeing that there are some artists, some artists I've spoken to, they're telling me, you know, they sell 80% of their thing, of uh, their work through Instagram. So it's showing that you don't really need a gallery if you can succeed through other mediums. 
So how many exhibitions do you get round a month now? Yes, so um, there was a time when I estimated it was about a thousand a year, but that was based on a pure ballpark figure and I didn't have the stats to back it up. Um, so this year I've decided I'm actually going to do a count. I'm going to tally as I go along. And so far today being uh, up till March the 10th, I've got 198 exhibitions. So that's roughly 80 a month, which would add up to about a thousand a year. So that's, um, so it's good to know that my original math made sense. Though I like to think that I'm cutting down a bit on exhibitions this year. And one of the funny things that's now started happening was I used to do multiple exhibitions every, every Saturday and every evening when I'm going to private views. But having been in the art world for this long, I now know a lot of people. So now it's harder for me to just pop in and just see the art and disappear without saying hello to anyone. And it also feels rude given the art world is so small and you probably see people once every three to six months to just say hi and bye. So I end up sticking around exhibitions for longer than I used to. I think it's a mixture because sometimes you are running into artists and they're not necessarily showing at the, um, at the exhibition. They just happen to be seeing at the same time as you. So it's just good to, to find out what's going on in their world. I often find that even if I'm at work and I suddenly um, duck into Mayfair for a few exhibitions over lunch break, I'll randomly run into people I know who aren't even with the gallery, who just happen to be doing the same. So it, the art world is very small and you keep crossing paths with the same people over and over. And I know you visit all sorts of spaces, don't you? Because I know as much as you talk about the big galleries like the Royal Academy and the National Gallery, you, you visit quite a few project spaces as well. Yeah, I think it's important to see all the different kinds of art. And of course, the big exhibitions are things that I'm going to be reviewing for places like Londonist, and they're the ones that generate the most traffic. But at the same time, you know, I've got multiple threads that I can use to expose artists to a wider audience. And I think it's important that you, you see it all. I also feel like because I came to art quite late in my 20s, I feel like I'm, doing, I'm playing a lot of catch-up with everyone else, so I feel like I need to go and see more than the average critic or the average art person because they'll talk about an exhibition even as recent as, say, 2010, and that was before I started writing, so I wouldn't have seen it. And it feels like I'm actually still trying to catch up with people who've lived and breathed the art for longer than I have, even if they're, say, 10 years younger than I am. So it's important to see all things. And also, it's great to see the journey of artists. So it's quite nice to see an artist who started off showing in some backstreet project space and now showing in, say, like a Mayfair gallery. And it's great to see that work progressing and um, growing with the industry. I mean, ultimately, that's how all of our networks started, isn't it? We to look at people who seem to know all the people at the Blue Chip Gallery. I'm sure they were all towards the bottom end of the art world in the beginning and they've all worked their way up. How do you think they see you? I mean, do they look to you for validation? Are they, you know, when you're sort of meeting artists at galleries, whether it's their own exhibition or whether they're, um, you know, visitors themselves, do you find they're asking you to review their work or, you know, are you just getting more and more invitations all the time to the next show? Yeah, I think there is a lot of like, come see my show or come see my studio. Um, it made me laugh recently. I, I posted an Instagram post of a show that a friend of mine had curated. And when she looked at the comments below, she's like, 
how many of these come see my show comments do you get on your posts? And I'm like, you haven't even seen my direct messages. So there's a lot of those and people saying, oh, come and see my show, which is, you know, I mean, ultimately that's, that's what I'm there for. So I don't mind it so much in the sense that if it is an exhibition in London, then, you know, there's a good chance that I can see it. I mean, if you start telling me about exhibitions in say, Berlin or so on, then, then it's probably not relevant and I'll ignore it. Or if you just send work without any messages, which does happen a lot, I'm not sure what to do with that either. I get that as well. Honestly, like people sort of just, yeah, messaging you straight away. What do you think of my work? You know, can I get some feedback? And it's like, well, you know, if you want a portfolio review, you can buy that service. You know, I do offer it. Yeah. And it, it's one of those things, isn't it, where you think, what are they trying to get out of it? Are they trying to get someone to say your work is great? Is that looking for validation? And given that you don't know them personally, it's a shot in the dark, which to some degree you have to admire the bravery of throwing their art out there. It does feel like, well, you know, I don't know what to say to you in terms of what I think of the work. So if I don't like it, are you going to react badly? And also, what, what do you want? Like, one of the things I've always said, artists say to me, oh, you know, what do you think of my work? Well, my first question is, why are you making the work? If you're making the work because you love making art and that's all you care about, then what anyone thinks of the work doesn't matter. But if you want to sell the work, then that's a different conversation. Or if you want to develop your work into something new, then that's a third conversation. So there's lots of potential conversations there. And without pitching your work with the right one I'm not sure where to take it and even if you did like you said Peter you know there's usually a charge for that service so no very few people are going to offer you free advice you know because it's not like most of us are sitting around twiddling our thumbs waiting for someone to send us their work so yeah I think that it's just one of those more context would always be helpful and then you can have a conversation that starts from maybe a post to something greater over time if it works for both parties yeah I mean I find that when you know people are reaching out to me and sort of asking me to review their work and things like that it's really unclear what they want but you know there is an undertone of like well can I get some help but at the same time you've got no context so even if you are actually just reviewing the work just for the you know the work itself like, like you say, you know, you don't know anything around um, anything sort of uh, contextual around that or the artist. And um, and for me, that, you know, that's also part of um, understanding the work, you know, getting to know the artist as well. I agree. And um, but it's interesting to see that it's not just the two of us it happens to. Like I've been in galleries talking to the gallerist and somebody will just wander off the street with a portfolio of work. And even if the gallery's website says no, solic- you know, they don't take open calls or they don't have people drop in it happens i remember talking to someone at white cube once and they were saying sometimes they come to open up the gallery and there's just um a wrapped up work a piece of work against the wall that says for the attention of jay jopling (laughs) (laughs) it does happen everywhere and it's supposed but i suppose at the same time you know you never know with those sorts of things maybe someone looks at the work and goes actually it's not bad and maybe it is something we can we can look into so that these used things to happen, happen all the time when i had the gallery space like you know every week we'd get sort of multiple people coming in and i think one of the worst things was when they try and show you their work on their phone because your phone is so small and then they'll go oh yeah and it's a six you know 
a six foot uh, abstract painting. It's like, okay, well, firstly, you're showing me on this like four inch phone. Secondly, you can see I don't show abstract work. Like, how do you think this is an appropriate fit? You know, this like lack of research around, um, you know, finding uh, appropriate galleries is shocking, actually. But like you say, I do admire their bravery. You know, I think they summoned a lot of courage to actually sort of pound the streets and uh, walk into places. I agree. It's it's one of those things where you think, yeah, there's some sort of admiration, but also there's some sort of you could do your research better. Like you said, if a gallery doesn't show that kind of work, then pitching at them doesn't make a lot of sense. So it's just, it's just being a bit more intelligent about your pitching. I mean, I always joke that I get emails from lots of people around exhibitions going on, and some of them clearly haven't done their research because it won't be an exhibition in, even in London. Or occasionally it'll be like, would you would you like an advanced copy of an erotic novel? And I'll be like, well, that's not really what I do. Um, and I also, I'm also a big fan of the, um, the male merge gone wrong. You know, the one that says, oh, yeah. dear, dear insert name, I think this would make a great piece for time out. And it's like, well, I'll be sure to tell them. <laughs> oh, the other one I get is um, when they've scraped your name off other sort of... Um, professional membership sites or something that I'm affiliated to. And then it's, you know, dear ladies, would you be interested in my work? Well, yeah. Damn well, I think that one goes straight to the delete box. Okay, let's move on to, um, so obviously you're seeing tons of exhibitions. When we met recently, uh, we were talking about how artists uh, present themselves when we go and see them at uh, both private views or fairs or anything like that. And I know you, had some top tips, so let's go there. Yeah, I suppose, I suppose when you're going to uh, a fair, especially a fair where you've paid to be part of it, which is more so than exhibition. I mean, technically you haven't paid to be part of an exhibition either, but obviously you're represented here, you're presenting your best face. So when it comes to openings, I mean, number one, which is the really obvious one, is, you know, I mean, usually there is free-flowing alcohol, but, you know, don't drink too much. You know, you want to make a good impression to anyone who turns up and two which is i've flagged to a lot of artists is always look out for the sort of um the sort of lone visitor as it were because often you go to private views and there's people socializing and chatting but you can always tell the person who's interested in the art because they're actually looking at the art rather than looking at their friends and chatting to them and if somebody's on their own and they've made a purposeful visit to come see the work it usually means there's someone who's interested in art whether it be buyer, gallerist, collector, critic. I mean, occasionally you may just be an enthusiast, but it means it's someone who's really into your work. So just make the rounds and make sure you, you speak to them all and find out what's going on. And I appreciate private views are busy, but feel free to take contact details if they're willing to give them. I remember one of the best um, examples I had of this was really early in my career. I was at a young artist show, which was having a solo show. And I went and said hello, and she was chatting to me, and she kept getting interrupted by lots of friends who wanted to say congratulations on your show, which is completely understandable. So she basically she took my contact details, and then the next day she just followed up and said, look, I'm really sorry we didn't get a chance to chat properly. Um, let's go to another private view. I'm going to a friend's private view this night. Why don't we come along, and then we can have a proper catch-up? which was a great idea, actually, because it meant that I got to see a show which was also what I wanted to do. 
mixed with actually catching up with this artist. So I didn't even have to go out of my way to catch up with her. She took me to a place where I wanted to go. So I thought that was a really good way of building a network. And, and speaking of taking contact details, one thing that I find always quite poor form is when somebody takes my contact details and I never hear from them until six months later when they've got a show and suddenly they're like, hi, how, how are you? Hope you're well. Um, I've got a show on, why don't you come? And, it, and all the goodwill you built up on that first conversation we have feels like it melts away because now it feels like you're very transparently only took my contact details just in case I might write about you rather than trying to build some sort of ongoing relationship, uh, which, is, which is the success to all businesses, actually, irrespective of the art world. If you want to build an ongoing relationship with someone, you, you, know, you make sure you, you put in the hours and you work at it and um, follow up when someone gives you contact details. So yeah, I guess you're on a ton of mailing lists. Yeah, I'm on, yeah, I'm on a lot of mailing lists. And, and it's one of the funny things is when if I fall off someone's mailing list, I won't notice. I genuinely won't notice because if it's one of 200, how will I, until somebody says, oh, you know, there's a good show at that gallery. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, I've not seen anything about that gallery for months. I mean, sometimes it's because they've just closed down and it does happen and they don't tell anyone. But yes, you're having to look at lots of emails. And I have something that I refer to as the three second rule, which is, when an image lands in, oh, sorry, when an email lands in my inbox, it has three seconds to make an impression because otherwise I'm going to have to delete it because that's all the time I have to get close to 100 emails a day and on top of my day job and going out to exhibitions, I have to manage those. So a few top tips I have on emails is you'd be amazed at how many visual artists, the clue is in the first word, don't use an image. And you think, well, you know, you're a visual artist. How am I supposed to just use text to, um, to discern whether I like your work or am going to like your work potentially? And the second element of that is the written context. So sometimes you have reams and reams of writing. And often I'm three paragraphs in and I have no idea what's going on. It's like I, really simple things like, are you a painter or a sculptor? I don't know yet because... You talk for three paragraphs about the origins of the inspiration for your work and how it's based on some school of philosophical thought. But I mean, I mean, what is it? I mean, I'm a big fan. I have been in the corporate world, so I'm a big fan of bullet points. I know the art world does not use bullet points, <laughs> but I am a big fan of it. So, you know, that, that's something that would work for me. Just like short, sharp bullets, this, 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 right. I mean, another one that happens a lot is People send me a message saying, I've got an exhibition. Here's an invite for the private view. And often, I mean, I'm usually booked up a month in advance. I can't make that private view. But if you had told me, here's a private view and here's the actual dates of the show, I might be able to make a later date. But often, they don't even say that. So you're asking me to follow up and ask them, what are the dates? Which is an opportunity for that chain to be broken. I mean... Just to put an old sort of customer service hat on, if you go to any um, big company's website or um, interface that they have on their telephone dial-in, they'll talk about you need to eliminate all the drop-off points. All the points where a customer may drop off from the journey and then not complete a sale is a bad thing. And that's why you've got sort of Amazon one-click, right? So it's the same when you're communicating with people. 
the more opportunities you get to allow someone to lose interest, the worse it is. So I often say, let me know well in advance. I hate somebody saying, I've got a show, it's already open, there's only a few days left. That's never helpful. And once it's open, send me images. So if I do want to use it in the top five or something, I've got the images there and I can just slot it in nice and easy. Um, so often I'm trying to write about a show and I just can't even source an image. Um, and often I'm writing on weekends when um, you might not have time to quickly turn around an email. So if I've got it to hand, that makes life a lot easier for me. And what's your final tip? So my final tip would be, we talked about going at your own private views and when you're representing yourself at a fair, but you can use the same uh, technique when you're going to other openings as well. So I've met a lot of artists, not at their openings, but at openings they've, they've been to. And it feels a lot more natural if you've got someone in, um, in common as well. Like the blind approach often feels like, you know, I see you off um, the internet and there's also this bizarre etiquette as to, you know, how do you say hello to someone you recognize from Instagram? I'm not, I'm not entirely sure I've got this down either, but often it's this person looking at me slightly oddly for a little a few seconds as their brain whirs into motion. And then when I look back at them, they, they kind of look at me and go, London art critic? And I'm like, yep, that's my handle. <laughs> so that does happen. So it's, yeah, it's surprising how often if you, the art world is so small that if you do go to openings and other galleries, you will run into people who are helpful, influential, useful, um, and just generally good contacts build up. I think we've both started doing that on Instagram more recently where we're actually sort of present, um, having pictures of ourselves in there rather than just the artwork that we're going to see and things as well. I've noticed that both on yours and on mine. Yes, I've noticed that. And I think the, the rule is use more of yourself, really, because it tends to do better on Instagram. Um, I know there's, it's never been confirmed, but there is this view that the algorithms prefer faces over lack of faces. And also, people want to identify with you. People want to know who the person is they're following. And if they see you in the post, then it's like, oh, you know, it's a real person rather than some machine posting every now and then. Sort of um, accounts on Instagram, aren't there, where they've got, you know, tens of thousands of followers. And then there'll just be like a picture of a, you know, a room with one artwork and then two hashtags. And you go, well, is that a real person? <laughs> yes, um, though, though I often joke that Nowadays, with bots getting so more, more and more sophisticated, it's, it's becoming ever so harder to tell the difference between a bot and a, a slightly vacuous human being. So, you know, when you sometimes get those comments, you go, is that a bot-generated comment? Or is that a, a genuine person's comment? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that makes me laugh. But I was talking about this with somebody else around um, Instagram, and I know you and I have talked about it before as well, but feeling mm. a responsibility to build an audience or a platform of our own. Like for me with a podcast, you know, with you and your writing. How do you feel about that? I think so. And I think it's also building an audience that is aligned to your, ta to your taste as well, because everyone's got slightly different tastes. And one of the things that I think is very important for me to do is that the art world's got a the art world, I should use air quotes when I do that, there is this kind of view around what is and what isn't acceptable in the art world. And I think I often think it's quite snooty and quite, um, quite elitist. While 
there are certain types of art that just won't cut it for them. So, for example, if you go to sort of like the more sort of Mayfair galleries, they will turn up their nose at anything that's kind of like street art style or in the affordable market or anything. It's, it's really bizarre to be in a world where commercial is almost seen as a dirty word. <laughs> and it's, you know, we're making money. So for me, I don't come with any of those pretenses. I don't think I do because I've got a background outside the art world. So I can kind of cut through that nonsense and just share anything I enjoy. It doesn't matter if that gallery hasn't got a great reputation in terms of the artist shows. I like the show. So I want to, I want to show it. And that's, and that's something I can do through Instagram. And that's one of the reasons I so love being with Londonist because it's, it is got a massive reach, but also largely to a non art crowd. And that's the people I want to re- reach. And the joke that we have in Londonist is because that's my attitude is to refer to me as the people's art critic, uh, which I quite enjoy as a, as a title. So yeah, I, I kind of want to make sure that people are seeing every aspect of art and not just what's been deemed worthy by um, a sort of small crowd of people. I mean, one joke I often made was you'll have an exhibition at a big institute and it'll be curated by somebody who studied art history at the Courtauld Institute of Art. Um, they'll then uh, bring on board a PR person or a press person who also studied art history at the Courtauld Institute of Art, who will then pitch it to a bunch of journalists who also studied art history at the Courtauld Institute of Art. And, you, and surprise, surprise, everyone loves it. And it's because everyone's got, there's some sort of group thing. They're all thinking in the same way. And there's nothing wrong, like I said, uh, with art history at the Courtauld Institute of Art, apart from the fact that I've said it too many times now. There's nothing wrong with a degree. It's a fine degree from a fine institution. But we need more diversity of thought in the art world. And so that's why I like the thing that I, I come from a different angle. And I quite actually enjoy it when all the critics have panned an exhibition and I loved it. Or all the critics have loved an exhibition, I panned it. I quite enjoy being on the wrong side because it shows that there is that discourse happening and it's not just some more mutual hate or love for a show. I think I love that you actually have a platform to uh, express that as well because I was talking about this with, uh, I think it was Gary, um, you know, Gary Mansfield, when I was saying, you know, this was my entry into the art world was thinking that, well, to, to work at, you know, in this industry that you had to work at a museum, but they were, all those jobs were taken by handful of people from the same handful of universities Mm. you know it's such a close world it is and you know and i also find it strange that like you know the museum and gallery world is frankly quite underpaid especially when you compare it to the corporate world yeah it's so highly competitive like to get into anything everyone's doing unpaid internships and i think that also leads us back to another form of um elitism and kind of inner circle in the sense that if you're from, say, a working class background, you wouldn't really be interested in the art world because you, well, not necessarily interested in the art world because you have to work hard in unpaid positions for a long time before you can, you can get anywhere. So what you end up with is a lot of sort of children of middle class parents who I'm sure work very hard, but it means that you've got, there's another case of diversity of thought being weeded out in the art world, which isn't, isn't really good for it. And I think, um, it's, it's quite sad to see that because I genuinely feel like art is for everyone and everyone should enjoy it. But if you look at the stats, 
it will show you that the people who go to art galleries tend to be upper middle class and largely and largely white. Um, that's quite sad for me because I don't want it to be that way. I agree. I think it's really interesting, isn't it? Like, because a lot of people that can't afford to do those internships that, well, either unpaid or even the actual paid jobs are like so poorly paid. They're the people that have got a private income. Yes. And, I, and I've spoken to a lot of people who've done that, um, who've struggled with that. I've spoken to galleries who've set themselves up with small business loans from the bank and how feeling that it's so, um, you're yourself included. Um, and it's, it's quite sad because you feel like you're fighting against galleries who are, I don't know, children or spouses of people who are very wealthy and therefore don't have to worry about making money. So they don't, they don't have to take their gallery to the affordable art fair because it doesn't matter if they don't make money. While others, I think that's the place where I have to go because I need to make money to keep going. That's the only way I can survive. And that's why I do a lot of the teaching around actually, you know, for artists to make a living out of selling their work, you know, because I think the opportunities to sell directly now are much more than they ever were before. You know, with social media, just opened it out. Like we said at the beginning, you know, you can build your own audience and make uh, those sales directly for artists. And it is actually available to more people if they just had the courage to actually step up and you know, show up on social media. Yes, I, I agree. And I think there is a wonderful thing to say about the democratization of art through social media. And I think, you know, it's given access to everyone. People can find you, they can buy from you. I think there are some people who are not entirely happy about it. And there are some downsides. So, for example, if your work is work that doesn't particularly appeal to social media, so let's say make kind of like minimalist work or something that's quite hard to get across, then yes, it, it may not necessarily benefit you in the same way someone who makes quite eye-popping, brightly coloured work. But I think the benefits do outweigh the downsides. And I think most people are starting to realise this. I think even now, I think all museum shows or big, big exhibitions are shying away from the no photos rule because they realize actually people taking photos and sharing it on social is what will get more people to turn up. So now the, the big museums also have um, hashtags that they actually want you to share to, you know, sort of index that, uh, index your photos, you know, for their show, as you say, to get more people through the door. I think so, because ultimately, you know, I, I mean, I don't want to downplay my role as a reviewer and a critic. But, you know, if loads of your friends have shared photos of an exhibition and you look at the photos and think that looks great, but you've read the review in like the Telegraph or the Times or even mine and thought, well, actually, his review was said it was terrible. But my friend's photos say showed that it looks good. Well, which one are you going to go with? And I think a lot of people will go with their with their friends views of, you know, this is this is the show that I want to see. So I think it's I think it's great. Um, it obviously means. Critics may have less sway, but, you know, if that's the way the world's going, I'm, I'm, never, I'm not going to fight it. Excellent. Tapish, where can people find you online? Yeah, so online, um, London Art Critic is my handle on Instagram and Twitter. And I'm also tabish-khan.com is my website with links to londonist.com and fadmagazine.com, which is the two websites that I write for. And you can follow me on Instagram at the Gita Joshi. Tavish, thanks so much for being on the podcast. It's been great talking to you and I can't wait to see you soon. Thank you very much.